Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. We're going to start today's episode off a little bit differently. I have a fantastic interview lined up for you guys. I'm really, really excited to show you guys this interview. But before we do, I need to start this episode off with a little story. This is story story time. When I was young, my dad was a luggage handler at US Air. US Air was an airlines, obviously, in the South Philly airport. And my mom was an inner city was an inner city ER nurse. She worked at this hospital called MCP. I think it was in North Philly. I don't know for sure. And uh, my parents were hardworking people, man, and they still are. My whole family—they're just tough, blue collar, hard nosed, hardworking people. For as long as I can remember, through my whole childhood, my pop was up at four thirty in the morning because the the airport was in South Philly. And you had to drive, it was, it's the total opposite end of the city. So he had to drive all the way to South Philly and back every day, every single day, you know, 80 hour work weeks were not uncommon in my family. They worked hard. And, uh, and my, my dad worked at US Air for 20 years. He, he worked there basically my whole entire upbringing. Uh, I remember that he got involved in the union. There's a, a safety union in US Air, the my dad was a luggage handler. So when you sit on a plane, you know, you see those guys that, that drive the suitcases in those little carts and they throw the suitcases into the belly of the plane so that, you know, obviously your luggage can can travel with you. Well, that was what he did. Uh, he was one of those guys and he got involved with the union because I'm sure you can imagine the nature of that work where all the carts clamp together and stuff like that. A lot of those guys would have uh, injuries with their hands and losing fingers and stuff like that. There's just a lot of equipment moving around. It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous job. So my dad got involved with the union. Um, he was in charge of like keeping people safe, basically. And he was able to gain some status. And, and it was good. Like I remember there was a, a point in life when I was a little bit older where I just remember feeling like, man, uh, we're living the good life, you know, because my family, we weren't living in poverty by any means. But man, like it wasn't easy for us. Um, It really wasn't. And in order to put food on the table every night, my parents worked their asses off for real, like hard, hard working people. I I respected them and I admired them so much about it for that. Well, September 11th came and I'm sure you guys can imagine that a lot of changes happened at airports after September 11th and my dad lost his job. Because of 9-11 and because of just some other circumstances, one day my dad called me. I'll never forget it. I, I was I had one of those Nokia cell phones. Remember those big boxy ones they used to play Snake on? They were basically indestructible. And my dad called me and said, hey, Tim, I lost my job. And I just knew right then and there that like things were going to be totally different because we were still relatively paycheck to paycheck, right? And just around the same time, uh, they tore down the hospital that my mom worked at. And so overnight, life totally changed. And uh, I told myself right then and there, it was that moment that I decided to be an entrepreneur, that I I demanded out of myself, that I was never going to let somebody tell me if I was allowed to come to work 
every day, if I was allowed to work to provide for myself and provide for my family, just that was the moment when I decided. And it's not to say that I never had a job. You know, I did contracting for years in my in high school and a couple of years out of high school. And but even when I was doing contracting, like I would I would go to work all day and build houses. I worked for this guy named Mike. He was an awesome guy. He taught me so much. He taught me how to build a house from the ground up you know, how to do everything. And he taught me the importance of just showing up on time. And like, if you say you're going to do some shit, then do it. I'll never forget. He looked at me. He was like, your word means something. And I've never forgot that moment. But even when I did do that, I would go home and I would do side jobs from, you know, like 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, I wouldn't, I was one of those kids, you know, I would hang flyers all around my neighborhood. My mom had this rose bush in our yard. I remember I'd take pictures in front of this rose bush because it was it was just a really beautiful bush. I put this big cheesy smile on. I go to this local pharmacy. It was called Perkels, and uh, you could put like a put some change in in the copy machine that they had there back before, like printers and scanners or some shit that you could just have in your house. And I would I would make flyers with my stupid cheesy smile in front of this rose bush, saying like I'll come cut your grass, and I would just staple these flyers all around. And I would cut grass all summer. You know, I used to make a good amount of money. So I always had the hard work gene. I always had the entrepreneurial gene. But but like I said, when my dad lost his job and when my mom lost her job, it was right then and there that I just demanded out of myself that no matter what, I was going to find a way to invest in myself and make sure that I, I built something for myself that I could always rely on. And that memory has been coming up a lot in recent weeks really and especially in recent days and I've been today's date is is April 18th 2020 so we're about a month into the quarantine with the coronavirus pandemic and every day I check and more and more people are losing their jobs and are getting laid off and like that just breaks my heart man these are are good people these are hard-working people and through no fault of their own they they can't provide for themselves. They, they they can't work. They're not allowed to work. And I know it's not as simple as that, but in my mind, I always kind of made it that simple because I told myself that nobody was going to tell me if I was allowed to come to work every day. You know, and I've been looking at this and I've been thinking about that experience when I was a kid. And, you know, and I've been thinking so much about my brand and about what I'm trying to do with this podcast and with my blog and with my newsletter because for so many of my projects, like I have a purpose behind them. You know, for Sober Nation, I have a purpose behind it. I know who I'm trying to serve. For Journey Pure, like I know who I'm trying to serve. For Copy Blogger, I know who I'm trying to serve, right? But for my blog and my own message, I've, I've never really quite had that down. And after seeing these people get laid off and seeing my own situation and just seeing how fucking fortunate I am to have these multiple streams of income and to have a personal brand and to have an online business that I can depend on because I invested in myself over the course of the last 10, 15 years. I know that this is, that this is what I'm doing here, that this is the, this is the messaging behind what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to teach people and the value that I'm trying to to bring to the world and, and my contribution to people. From now on, everything that I do is going to be focused on showing people how to build online businesses, personal brands, 
different streams of income, no matter what it is that you're into. And, I, and the, the thing that has tripped me up about it in the past is because people assume that when I talk about this, it means that you have to be an entrepreneur. And that's really not the case, especially in the workforce these days. Like the more of a personal brand you can build for yourself, the better of an asset you're going to be for a company. Even if you want to continue to have a job, that's fine. I'm not telling anybody like quit your job. That's ridiculous. All work is noble. You know, if you want to have a job, then work and work as hard as you possibly can. But no matter what, you have to invest in yourself. You got to be your biggest advocate for success. And the best way that I have found to do that is to build online businesses. And I can teach people how to build online businesses. I know how to do this. You know, my team and I, we're like, I don't know, we got like seven, I think, profitable websites, all relatively passive monthly recurring income. Like it's going really well. I know how to do this. And I know how to, I I can teach people how to do this. This is my purpose. I want to, I got to spread this message of teaching people how to invest in themselves because the reality is my family didn't expect for my parents to both lose their jobs. That wasn't something that we planned for. Nobody planned for the coronavirus. Life is going to throw curveballs at you. And when it does, it fucking sucks, dude. It sucks. Like this sucks for so many people right now, but I'm, 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 I'm kind of splitting what I see in half, right? I'm seeing just the relative workforce, the people that are laid off, the 16, probably closer to 20 million people that have filed for unemployment. And then I'm looking at the other side, all of my digital entrepreneur friends, my online business friends, all the people that I rap with on Twitter that, I mean, it's not to say that things are golden, but all of us are, are surviving. We're able to take care of ourselves because we invested in ourselves. You know, I got an example of my sister my sister's a personal trainer and she works for a company, but you know what? They built out a digital platform really, really quickly. And I don't know the, the exact numbers behind their books, but it seems like they're doing pretty damn well. There's a local coffee shop down the street. I live in Nashville. It's a place called Ugly Mugs. And uh, obviously they had to shut down, but you know what? Ugly Mugs is still running a profitable business because they built an e-commerce platform right away on their website. Like we just ordered coffee from them today and we went there and we picked it up and they're still making money. They invested in themselves. This is my message to people. It's, it's become so clear to me that my ultimate outcome, my ultimate purpose is to teach people how to build these kind of assets, how to build these kind of online assets that can make money for you while you sleep. I'm not going to sell anybody on the idea of making you know, $18,000 a day while sitting on your couch. That's ridiculous. That's bullshit. This takes work. This takes patience. It takes determination. But the reality is all the work that I have put in to building these companies and building these, these income streams over the last 15 years, they're paying off a lot right now. They're paying off a whole lot right now. And I want to help people provide this kind of security for themselves. I know how to teach this. I know how to do it. And that's what I'm going to do. I hope you will continue to follow along. Everything I do now is going to be focused around this message. Everything I do is going to be focused around teaching people how and why they should invest in themselves. You can sign up for it on the newsletter, timstods.com. Thank you for listening. Let's get to this week's interview. 
My guest today is the brilliant and talented Helen Rankin. Helen and I got introduced through Twitter. I don't know if any of you guys follow DRock on Twitter. He's Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, videographer, I guess you could call it. And he had mentioned Helen and said that Helen was looking to be on some podcast. And so I reached out to her and, and we made it happen. Uh, Helen is the CMO of a kick-ass new company called Swag Up. At first, when I looked at Swag Up, I was intrigued by the business, but uh, what they do is they build swag packs for companies. And I, I kind of thought to myself, man, I don't know how groundbreaking or exciting this conversation is going to be, but I'm always interested to talk to new people. And, and, and so we made it happen. But I will say without a shadow of a doubt that Helen completely convinced me of the value and the efficiency of Swag Up and what they are really bringing uh, to an old and uh, outdated business model. If anybody has been involved with ordering swag before, you know how much of a pain in the ass it is. You got to get designs and submit designs to one vendor and and get pens from this place and get hats from another place. And sometimes you get it from different places and the colors don't match or, or whatever. It's, a, it's an incredibly archaic system. And what Swag Up did is they basically created a system where they are your chief swag officer. It's brilliant because they they offer customizable swag packs, but more importantly, they leveraged it through technology. I think one of the most exciting things that this company did is they built uh, a tech space. They built an interface to make it so that all of your swag needs are easy to order, a couple clicks, a couple customizations, and bam, you're done. The whole entire system is done for you. You don't have to sit with stacks of of collateral and pens and sunglasses and all of that crap in the in the the, the closet of of your corporate office anymore. Um, the entire system is now done for you, and I'm really really excited about about this company, and I'm excited to see them succeed in the future. If you don't believe me, please just listen to this conversation, and I know Helen is going to convince you these guys are going to kill it. So please help me welcome Helen Rankin. Also, I curse. I hope that doesn't offend you. I do too, so we're okay. good. Good. So you don't have to do one of those things when I'm like, oh, wait, is it okay if I curse on this show? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, not really refined. Beautiful. Um, great. Well, Helen, thank you so much for joining me on my show. I really appreciate your time today. I know that uh, these are weird circumstances, so I'm grateful. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Sure. I, I wanted to, I always like to start my podcast with learning about you as a person. Um, I related a lot to the bio that you sent me. I had a little bit of a, a scrappy upbringing myself, but I find that um, people that have been through challenges, especially in their youth, um, are armored to a bit where it makes them uh, be able to like push themselves through adversity. And I find that they make really great entrepreneurs. Um, that's just my own personal experience. But you know, with that being said, I appreciated you being so uh, just sort of open about some of the challenges that you've had, because I, I find that to be a uh, very relatable and also very authentic. So I'd like to just start by opening up to you a little bit and just tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah. So, um, I, I kind of grew up, um, not your typical um, upbringing, as, as you mentioned, was raised by a single mother who was from Mexico, 
Yeah. Barely spoke any English coming into the country. She's probably a very badass woman, I imagine. <laughs> she is. She yeah. is. She's one. She's she's a she's a trip. My mother is like she's everything. Anyone that meets her is just blessed to like be in her presence. She's a very mm. memorable person. Um, but yeah, I mean, she just seeing my mom like raising her kids and and be doing it alone, and I it literally gives me zero excuse in life. And I always go back to that because I've seen her struggle. I've seen people be really rude to her because she doesn't speak English and she did everything on her own. I mean, she literally, you know, brought it. We had not much growing up. My parents divorced and they went through really hard times and completely bankrupted our family being um, going through a divorce. So my mom was really struggling with cash and, and money. There's times we didn't have have money for food. We didn't have money to like heat the house. And we lived in Philadelphia at the time. No we used way, to... Philly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so growing up, there was times where we couldn't heat the house. So every summer we would chop wood for the entire summer so that we would have enough <clears throat> wood to actually put in the fireplace and heat the whole house. To this day, I, I hate the smell of, of like fireplace or like barbecue because of that. Because I would go to school and I would like completely reek of smoke and we're like, oh, I love that smell. It's like you were at a cabin. I'm like, yeah, I was at a cabin. I was feeding a fire all night <laughs> to keep the house warm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just kind of grew up like that, but we were always super positive. My mom was very positive force and very positive female um like person in my life and as I've grown up as an adult I just go back to those experiences and I still to this day I don't know how she did it mm. so I feel like I have zero excuse to complain you know she brought me and my siblings into this country to have a better opportunity and that was really one of her main driving forces of like wanting to come to America as she knew Mexico wasn't going to give her much opportunity being a female, being a single mom. And she like <laughs> did it on her own to come into this country. And, you know, I, I really, anything that happens now, I'm like, well, I speak English, I'm healthy. I have good support system. If my mother was able to do it without any of that, what is my excuse? Like I have zero excuse for that. So, you know, my upbringing, like you said, it just kind of makes you super scrappy and makes you more weathered to this kind of situation. Yeah. And I actually had a, a post on, on Twitter where I mentioned, I'm like, I feel like growing up poor kind of set me up for this pandemic. But like eating the same food every day, like totally fine. <laughs> like being creative with like your food choices and like the little like packaged soups and stuff and you throw in some vegetables or whatever. Like I, I'm... I'm used to being so scrappy like that, that for me, this is like my comfort zone, not having to go out. I'm like, I never went out. I didn't have that childhood. I didn't go to spring break or anything like that. I had to pay for my books. Like it just wasn't, wasn't an option. Uh, I really loved how you talk about it. Like doesn't provide you an excuse. And you're saying like, I don't know how they did it, man. My, my parents had me really young. Um, and you know, I'm 33 now and I have a dog, right? And, you know, sometimes I look at them and they were 
in their teens with like two kids and just like, what were you guys thinking? You know, like how on earth did you do this? And the whole 80 hour work weeks and just so relentless and so relentless. Um, so yeah, anytime I like start feeling bad, I remember one time I was having a, a conversation with my pop, um, just trying to make it, you know, I, I moved to Florida 10 years ago and I was, I was in some trouble and stuff. So I uh, kind of was starting all over and starting my companies. And he says, so wait a minute, you want to be on your own and, and work and do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. And like, you don't want to be scrappy and, and work hard all the time. And like, <laughs> you, you don't want to be tired. Um, and then it reminded me of, you know, how challenging it was for them to, to raise us as a family and like everything they sacrificed. So I, I appreciate you opening with that because I think that it's like, like you said, it's turned into a real asset for me because I don't need a whole lot. Um, and I, I like really value my parents. So I just think it's, uh, I just love hearing those stories. So I do appreciate you starting with that, but, uh, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> So not enough people share that kind of side of them. Yeah, I agree. And result and people might meet me and not think anything of it. They're like, Oh, she's so well put together and she has a business. And I'm like, yeah, but I, it wasn't always like this, you Mm. know, It, it came from somewhere. And, you know, I think it's important for people to know that you, your story doesn't have to be so traditional and it definitely, you can find success even in the most uncommon upbringing and you know that that shouldn't define you i think i see a lot of young people that they say well i grew up in this neighborhood or i grew up this way or that way or and i'm like there's no excuse like if you're healthy and you're willing you can do it like you can create a different future for yourself it's it's just all it's all in your mindset yeah i really love that and again, I thank you for being so transparent with that. Yeah. So um, the reason for our podcast is because we want to talk about your company. We want to talk about mm-hmm. Swag Up. First off, as a web marketer, I love your guys' website. Um, I just, I'm a real fan of when you go to a website and you know exactly what it is that they do. And it just has like, we build swag packs. And I know that's so subtle and so simple, but seriously, um, there's a gazillion websites that I look at and I, you go there and you're just not quite sure what it is that they do, you know, like what their business is in. So, um, as a, a copywriter, mostly like I'm a real fan of copy and I'm a real fan of like words and, and clear communication on the web. And yeah. just like, we build swag packs. It's so simple, but I thought that was so great. Yeah, no, we we're actually in the middle of a, of a site redesign, but yeah, we focus on, um, you know, on building, creating high quality swag into kits. We also have the technology to kind of support all the headaches that come with it. Mm. So everyone loves the idea of creating, you know, gift boxes and stuff to send out to their clients or to their employees or students. And then when they go down to like actually execute it, it's like, where am I going to store all this stuff? Where, how am I going to ship it? How am I going to get people's addresses? Who's going to assemble it? who do I work with with all of this? So we've kind of solved for all of those pain points that come with creating a swag swag into a campaign. So we not only help you pick out those items and we have a curated catalog that's just high end quality stuff. Like our site doesn't have thousands of like tchotchke, like stuff that's going to break. That's not really what we stand for. 
um, you know, if you want it, we'll give it to you, but that's not really like our bread, our wheelhouse. And, and then we'll, you know, help you with all of it from the design, from, you know, creating it into a, an actual experience and taking care of everything that, that requires to make that experience happen. Well, wow. That answers my next question, basically, because when I looked at this, I did think to myself, um, there's a gazillion vendors that put hats and t-shirts and pens together. And I, I remember thinking like, damn, this is a real, you're really jumping in with the sharks trying to, to play in this arena. And so I was, I was playing around in my head. So I'm, I'm a digital marketing director for a company called Journey Pure, where um, it's a big addiction treatment conglomerate, basically. And so we have a lot of business development reps and they're always dishing out swag to maybe their referrals or whatever. And so I'm thinking to myself, like getting the swag has never really been that much of a challenge. But then I'm thinking the challenge has always been the logistics behind it because it's a real pain in the ass, right? Like I got boxes of pens in this closet and then I got like stacks of papers and then everybody's saying like, I need more. And I'm like, no fucking way. We got boxes of it over here that you guys haven't even used, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so hearing how you guys have built an actual, how do we call it? Like a curated all-in-one infrastructure where mm -hmm. it's not even something that you need to incorporate into your marketing department. It's just swag up is that extension of your guys's department. Um, yeah. I don't mean to be speaking for you, but from, from what you're telling me, it sounds like that's basically what you guys are offering. Yeah, I need to hire you to pitch pitch uh, our client. <laughs> that's yeah, that's exactly. We're we're basically your your chief swag officer for your company. We take care of everything from curating it and and taking all the headaches. Um, I always find it so fascinating when I hear clients on the phone. Like I always like to ask them, like if you didn't come to us, like what would you be doing? Like what are you doing now for this? And the answers I get are so crazy. And sometimes it's from like Fortune 500 companies. They're like, oh, the CEO actually has it in his garage and we just slack him. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's not ideal. And like your poor CEO, like he has better things or he or she has better things to do. And, um, or they're saving it in their car and their garage or so forth. So yeah, we handle all of the logistics and kind of make it as, as easy as possible in our platform. And, you know, we allow for multiple teams to actually collaborate on, on swag projects. And, and that helps bring the cost down. A lot of companies don't realize that having marketing order swag from one company and HR order swag from another company and, mm -hmm. you know, some office manager orders it from another company, you end up having a huge problem one in cost because you're paying setups multiple times for each one but aside from that time and brand consistency like i've seen so many companies that buy swag and they're like well we don't use it because it doesn't match the logo in our office the company doesn't want to refund us and like that's such a shitty experience and you know why not have one platform that everyone in your company can use you can warehouse everything. Multiple teams can pull inventory. You know what you have. It's not in some, you know, storage office. And now with everyone working from home, people are trying to store it in their homes and they're like, our kids are getting into this. Like, I, I can't have all of our swag materials in my house. It's just not ideal. Yeah. And 
I noticed on your website how you guys have the custom packs. And I thought that was really interesting because putting myself in your guys's position, that's going to create a whole nother like mess of logistics, right? Um, speaking just strictly from a growth standpoint, the, the easiest way to do it is to pick one thing, maybe come up with like four or five variations of it, you know, and then you can scale it. But then there's the other side that thinks it's never that simple because every company is going to want to have their own different modifications or whatever. Uh, give us a little bit of like a behind the scenes with all the solutions that you guys have come up with to make sure that even though it's customizable, um, you can still deliver it on time and deliver it right the first time because that's, that's, that's what really sucks when you order swag is it never actually comes in perfectly. You know, like you, you gotta get, like I said, pens from this place and papers from this place and shirts and socks from all different places. And there's, there's different variations in it. Um, and it's just because you're getting it from different vendors. So like when I was looking at that, I was thinking like, wow, that's really, really cool, but that's gotta be very challenging. So like, how yeah. do you guys do that? Um, one hire people that are thoughtful, like mm. just off the bat, like, Anyone that's buying swag, I feel like comes from a very caring personality. It, it's a thoughtful way to, imp to do anything. It's a thoughtful way to do marketing. It's a thoughtful way to do sales, thoughtful way to onboard someone. Um, it, it's just a thoughtful experience. So everyone we have on our team kind of comes from that mindset of like really caring about what they do. So from the salesperson, like they really care about your brand and protecting your brand and understanding it and the do's and don'ts of, of your logoing. Um, our procurement team, they take it a step further. If anything in the proofs don't match or anything like that, they can, you know, they alert our, our team to kind of notify the client. Um, and then something very unique to our business that I honestly don't know any swag company that has this, but we actually have an entire QA like a quality assurance department mm. that when the items actually come in, they inspect everything. And sometimes we're, we're probably too picky that we've actually had vendors tell us that they don't want to work with us because they said we're unrealistic. And that's fine because I don't want to work with companies or vendors that don't care about their end product. You know, we, we understand that our gifting and our swag that we're offering it's not just swag that you're putting on a conference table and there's thousands of them. Like you're sending it to one person. And if there's a nick or a scratch or some type of inconsistency, it's going to be louder and more noticeable mm -hmm. because it's created in a gift and it's only going to one person. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that everything kind of lands the right way. If you're investing X amount of money in it, it has to be perfect all the way through. So our, our team's really like <laughs> on top of it with that. Um, and we've gotten really lucky that they're they're Sometimes they come to me like, Helen, this client, like, you know, their shirt doesn't look good. Like, look at it. And I'm like, it's not that bad. Like some, but we're just so like picky about it. We see so much of it that we're probably like, oh, we're probably more OCD than our clients would be about the swag because, you know, we want to make sure they're having a really great experience and that it, like becomes a, a viral thing for them. Yeah. How did you guys 
build into that. Um, I may be completely making this up. And if I am, forgive me, but I thought I saw somewhere you guys are almost at like 50 employees now. Mm -hmm. um, we are. So, like, I can't imagine you hired all 50 people at the same time. Like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was just fascinated with like the journey. So let me even back up a little bit before that. How, how did this idea start? Was this something that you guys just came up during like a coffee conversation or did you see like an opening in a market that you wanted to take advantage of? No. So Michael Martucci, he, he founded the company and he had experience with ordering swag in the past. He had a, a startup when he was in college called Click and was ordering swag for that and, and saw it was like painful and went to like, a, worked at a VC company and had to order swag for that as well. And again, like that kind of idea of like, this sucks <laughs> mm. kind of experience kept coming to his, his mind. Um, and it initially started with him wanting to create a brand. Like when you think of soda, you think Coca-Cola. When you think of sportswear, you think Nike, Lululemon. Like there's very like distinct identified like brands with every like industry. And the promotional industry has been kind of stale. There's really, there's really isn't a brand that speaks out. And there really isn't a brand that speaks out to your startup culture and to the new generation of, of business. You know, they're working with really nice platforms and really nice softwares. They're working with Slack and we have Stripe. And those are really nice brands. And yeah. I don't, we just never really saw like, your swag brand in that umbrella of like what a user wants to see visually and just like overall the ease of, of using it. So it first started with just, let me just dedicate my time to startups and focusing on start, like doing startup swag. That's actually what the company first company's name was. Um, and he focused on that because that's the first thing people do when they raise money is let's buy swag. <laughs> And from there, um, you know, he, but he had the vision of just having it where, you know, it's very curated item. Don't show a million products. It, we know people want swell. They want sticker mule. They want, you know, Corsicle, Patagonia. Like why show them all these cheap alternatives? That's not what people want. Um, so we started with like a very curated list. From there, we actually had, um, we changed our, our name to, to Swag Up, but we had a client that actually asked us for packs. And they're like, hey, like, can you guys do us like do some boxes? And we're like, yeah, sure, we'll do boxes. So we do the boxes. And then he calls us back up. Do you mind assembling them? Mm. And at that point, we only had two employees. We had <laughs> it was Michael and like a procurement person. And um and we didn't really have like that. I mean, so we're like, okay, like we'll assemble them. We like brought in family and friends. We're assembling them in the kitchen and like started getting And We didn't have a warehouse or anything. Like we literally started it in Michael's mom's um, home. So very scrappy, like upbringing. We're like, okay, let's put a landing page. You put, you know, built everything on Wix and um, put the website up and like, all right, we'll do packs and start promoting that and see how that works because there really wasn't anyone at that time that was doing packs everyone was doing swag and everyone was doing you know 
bulk items, but there wasn't an experience for someone to do packs. Um, and most companies were having to do it themselves. So we saw that there was an area that wasn't really tapped into. So, you know, that's kind of where we started to do the packs. And from there, it just kind of rolled into, well, can you, can you store them? Can you do this? Can you do that? And we just kept kind of adding to our product. We've always been very big about listening to your clients mm -hmm. and to what they need. You know, I think if we would have went in and did market research and saw that nobody's looking for this and no one's doing that, like, I think we probably wouldn't have done this approach, but since we've always been very customer centric, our product has evolved and grown with our clients and it's now become a huge warehouse and now we have 50 employees and we're growing and it, it's crazy how fast it happens. Is it, is it getting to the point now where you're, you're actually starting to talk about the little stories, you know, back when there was only five of us and we fucking like slept on the floor and now, you know, it's all big time. I, I, I miss those days sometimes. Um, I, I hope that you guys like have those stories to share. So yeah, we do. <laughs> we still, <laughs> yeah, we have employees that were with us from the very beginning, like sure. that complaint that you know they just share about it. They're like, "Remember we had we were in a warehouse with no AC and it was like the hottest summer." Like, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have we have so many great experiences from that. Yeah, and. I loved a lot of what you just said there because you really um, like you really changed my viewpoint on it. Um, so you and I got introduced, I think it was DRock or something, sent out a tweet just saying that like you were looking to be a, a guest on some podcast. And so I looked it up. I was like, oh, swag. Like, that's interesting. Sure. Why not? And um, just being fully transparent, like I didn't really think that it was really like that sophisticated or anything. But like listening to you talk about it, you know, wow, like you're absolutely right. There is no, when you think of startups and you think of new online business culture, there are definitely those like identifiable brands that mediate some kind of pain point. You mentioned Slack, like, yes, absolutely. Um, I think maybe for project management, we mentioned Trello before. Mm -hmm. um, if you think of, other softwares, like I'm an SEO, you know, so there's like a, there's one called SEM rush that, that we use a lot and they really do have like, um, brand recognition. But the reality is that the, the person to person, the gifts, like the extension between the business and the client and how you make them feel that really is just as valuable as all the fancy tech stuff, you know, it's, it's still probably the most valuable thing that there is. And listening to you talk about it, I was like, damn, like that makes perfect sense for something that is so important in business as, you know, let's just call it gifts or swag or, um, you know, subtle gestures of like appreciation. It's every business everywhere. Like that's going to exist. And I can't think of a single place where I would go, Oh, you need swag go there. It's always a pain in the ass to find the local vendor, the local printer. Um, and you know, like, yeah, like I said, I, I don't, I didn't mean to brush it off or anything. I thought it was just kind of like another upstart company would be a cool conversation. But after listening to you, like there really is something to be said there. There's a brand to be built there. And I think you guys can own it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our, really our mission. Like we want to 
be known as the brand for yeah. for swag for swag management and not just your you know your only vendor but your only vendor across all teams because there's a lot of of overlap um, and some companies that are larger that have multiple offices and in, in different places or mm. or now that companies are fully remote how do they still create really great experiences whether if it's internally or with clients or um you know we're getting a lot of, of colleges now as well like reaching out oh, to yeah. us and have to onboard students online and that's something that they've never experienced before and it's really hard to kind of how do you create the sentiment and how do you create the value and and your mission as a company um in a way that's that's thoughtful and not like promotion-y like too like you know quirky or anything like that but just like more on a thoughtful level um that's going to resonate with whoever's receiving it so it, it, it's been it's been great like being able to go through that with some of these companies and solve that for them and the stories that we hear they're like oh my god I was building this all by myself or I would have to bribe coworkers to come and stuff a thousand totes and we used to have all the interns like you know, lie to the interns that this is the start of marketing. Like <laughs> you have to like bear the grunt of ordering swag and like putting it together. Like don't even do that. Like why do that? Just like hire a company like us, like hire swag up to do that for you. And we don't even charge for the assembly. It's part of, of working with us and same with our platform Our platform. You know, we don't charge for our platform either because we feel like it's a compliment to swag and it's a tool that's needed. You can't do one without the other. It's just, you know, it's really difficult for companies to do that. Yeah. And that's like a perfect transition. Um, first of all, thank you so much for your time. I, I won't keep you too much longer, but I yeah. did want to touch on that last as aspect because again, in my experience with it, the difficult thing is there's two of them. There's the assembly and then there's the actual dashboard of like ordering it. Um, like it's, it's not anybody's fault. It's just local vendors don't have CTOs. They don't have anybody that understands how to bring somebody through like a, a, an easy purchasing experience that, um, that is like transparent. And what am I trying to say? There's been so many times where I, I, looked at everything with my order and right before I hit buy, I thought to myself, like, is this all like, right? Am I actually buying all the stuff that I need? Um, yeah. And so like, I, I haven't looked into your dashboard, obviously, because like I haven't bought anything from you guys, but I, I want to know how much time and how much of a priority that um, the technology side of it has been for you. Yeah, we, we've completely pivoted from you know, being an agency, like I think in the beginning of it, we were kind of seen as like an agency. Um, and that's honestly like when I first started in, into Swag Up and one of the reasons why I came on board was to kind of make that shift into more of a technology company. Cool. And that's been more and more of our focus is creating the technology to kind of, you know, support the entire, you know, Swag um, you know, swag for any purpose and mm -hmm. utilizing it across all teams and, and so forth. So the technology has grown and we're releasing more and more features every week, um, you know, refining and perfecting and, 
now we're starting to integrate with sales platforms and with design platforms and mm. creating partnerships with, you know, really big agencies. If you want like a really custom, like brandy experience, you can do that through our platform. So we're, you know, really thinking outside the box and it's kind of expanding. Um, and now we're even doing like redeem pages and integrating in into your Shopify, um, you have Zapier connection. So the technology has really become more of a focus. It, I, I would say we're getting to a point where swag's probably the least interesting thing we do. You know, it's if we're become your swag management platform and um, for the modern workplace, basically. Helen, this is all really cool. Like seriously, you, you totally sold me on the idea, on the concept of the functionality behind it on and most importantly um you sold me on the idea which i think is what you need to sell to like your customer on don't worry about that anymore just leave it to us because it's so annoying but every business needs it and then especially the bigger a business gets if they have different brick and mortar locations it's just the logistics become a nightmare and uh, and yeah, like, wow. Um, congratulations. Yeah. Good luck on, on the future of swag up. I'm definitely going to be following you. Like I, I really mean it where I, I think that you guys nailed it, where there's like a, a, a brand opportunity there not just some, some new company that you can get some referrals from people, but like actually own that brand space. So I think it's really great what you guys are doing. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having us on your podcast to kind of explain our story and where we're going so it's been great yeah i'm excited um cool well let's keep in touch um if anybody wants to reach out to you guys if anybody needs to inquire about some of your services obviously the website is swagup.com but if anybody wants to reach out to you guys directly like where can they find you uh, they can go to our site or they can email me, Helen at swagup.com, team at swagup.com. So yeah, they can find cool. us on the web or reach out to us directly. Yeah. Fantastic. I will put all of those in, in the show notes to the post. Helen, thanks yeah. again for your time. Um, let's do this again here. I can't wait to see how far you guys are then. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to do a follow-up. <laughs> Great. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.